BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Attention metal freaks, you're listening to Talking Metal. Tonight's guest, Rob Paspani from Metal Injection. And now, your hosts, Mark and Gia. Thank you, Bud Friendly. Hey, Rob, how are you? It's great to have you on Talking Metal, finally. Wow, it's such an honor to get introduced by Bud Friendly. <laughs> Just that luchador mask. Yes. Looks even better in person. Yeah, you're seeing him with the mask on, but this is a private version of his mask. Yeah. No one's ever seen it. It's crazy. It has, like, gold on it and stuff. Yeah. It's really fancy. It's you guys go gold. all out. Pure gold. This is an audio podcast, but he looks beautiful. I got it from the uh, Victoria's Secret catalog. <laughs> very nice. He's, he's Rob, very handsome. Thanks so much for coming on Talking Metal. We were just talking before... Uh, we started recording here, and we've both been podcasting since 2005, so this is long overdue, and we're yeah, glad. Honor, honor to be here. What's well, an honor for us to have you? Oh. Well, <laughs> what a great circle <laughs> love we're having at the yeah. very beginning of the show. <laughs> Let's do a talking metal toast. Oh, talking metal yeah. toast, right. We're, uh, we're I only have plastic and cans here. Well, you, you have to go to work after yeah. here, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done my show drunk plenty of times, but... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to take away from your beer intake. I was, oh, that, that, right. that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> cool. Well, let's let's first talk about um, what else you do besides metal injection. You are on Sirius yeah. ev- every weeknight, right? Yeah. I have a show on the metal channel, Liquid Metal, which is channel 40. And I, I do a shift from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. Eastern weekdays. And I've kind of been picking up some weekend trips too on sunday afternoons very very cool when did you start doing that Uh, i started almost two years ago in november of 2011 that was two years ago right (laughs) uh time i can't believe it's been two years i just realized it but yeah it's just been going on since then and it's been really fun to be on national radio yeah congratulations on the gig what a cool gig yeah it's honestly the best gig i could ever ask for as like something supplemental to doing metal injection, which is, you know, takes up a big chunk of my time. And 
Thankfully, this is like in the nighttime, so I can like fit it into my schedule, and it's really fun to do. It, you know what? The coolest thing is that you do metal full time, which is unlike Mark and, and I, who you know have other gigs. And uh, I think it'd be great to do what you're doing, just metal all the time. Well, I gotta tell you, it took quite a while <laughs> to get to being able to do it full time. We've been doing metal injection now. It's kind of, we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary next wow. year. Uh, we started, like, we launched the site January 1st, 2004, and we, like, I quit my day job, which I worked at, like, a web design agency. Uh, I quit it about four years ago, and it was, like, the biggest risk I ever took in my life. And I want to say, like, it, it worked, it was paying the bills, but only recently have I gotten to a place where it's like, okay, this is, like, a decent salary where I cool. can, like, live off of it. But, yeah, it was a... Yeah. Do you process. do the Metal Injection site as well? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he runs great. that site. Yeah, he yeah. runs yeah, that yeah, site. Yeah, I, I designed it. Yeah, it looks amazing. I mean, it looks great. We yeah. we have a uh, new design, and uh, although I do some web design professionally, I'm nowhere near like where you're at like with, with what you do because your site looks great. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, actually, we're about to launch a new design that I had. Wow. Like very little to do with just because it's I don't even have the time. Time to do that anymore. To do it right. anymore. There's so many other things to do because... In addition to metal injection, uh, I'm a partner in an ad network, which is how we kind of like make the money on metal injection is through the selling ads. And uh, me and my partner, Frank, and metal injection, we teamed up with the Metal Sucks guys to form this ad network, Blast Speed Network. And that's how we make our money. And also it just has become a second job in just dealing with all the clients and, you know, all the paperwork and doing requests for proposals, which are basically the worst thing ever invented. Wow. <laughs> Just stuck in Excel for hours. Yeah. Hey, but it's working. I mean, good, yeah. good for you. But Oh, thank you. Very yeah. cool. But. So, Rob, as an employee of Sirius, you got mm-hmm. to check out the Metallica show at the Apollo yeah. uh, less than a week ago, a couple days ago, really, and a few days ago. I tried to get free tickets. I went to the site and didn't. Oh, I just went, went. Just to get myself in was such an ordeal. Yeah. And it was like people in the company that have been working there forever weren't able to get tickets. It was like a very exclusive thing. Uh, but it was really exciting to be there. I didn't realize how small it was, too. It, it seats 1,500, but there's three levels. So I guess there's only like 500 people a level, or maybe maybe it's like, you know, 700, 400. 400 like, for example, I guess it would be the Best Buy Theater if it was just like the pit area seated. And then I guess it's more. You've never been in there, John? No. no. In the Apollo? Yeah. No, I, I feel yeah. it's smaller than the Best Buy because the oh. Best Buy is like 2,500 or something like that. Um, I want to say it's, it's comparable like, to like Hammerstein, Ir- but even smaller than Hammerstein. Yeah, I, I was going to say somewhere between Hammerstein and like Irving Plazas, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it would actually be... I guess Hammerstein is like... Uh, I, I don't know if it's way bigger. It's, hard, it's yeah, somewhat bigger, yeah. But it's, it's a very small... It's basically the smallest venue I think Metallica has probably played in the last 20 years, you know, since... Since they played up. Bowery. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah they played that Bowery show. And, yeah, it's bigger than Bowery, definitely. But. And so I, I was listening to your show, Metal Injection, the live, the live cast, cast yeah. and, and we'll talk about all the different shows that are on sure. Metal Injection later. Um, and got a kick out of you talking about that Howard Stern was actually there. Can you oh, talk about how sure, he came sure. out... 
Yeah, uh, well, like, it was a serious event, so basically all the, the I, I was about to say all the local serious talent was there, but even, like, you know, Jason Ellis, who does a show on, like, Faction, which is, like, the extreme sports yeah. type of... Is he the Australian guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. He even flew out for this, and, like, so a lot of serious talent were there. Uh, all the Opie and Anthony guys were there, and then about 10 minutes before the show starts, Howard Stern walks out to his seat, and it was like being in a zoo. Right. Like, all the fans who were there, like, obviously not serious staff. They would never behave that way because they would probably get fired or whatever. But yeah. all these fans start taking photos of him, and, like, there's, like, this big commotion. So everyone in the upper sections is like, oh, what's going on? You know, I, I... And there was so much commotion that he actually had to immediately leave <laughs> after taking his seat. And he walked out, like, right as the lights went down. For the show, because he was just being treated like a zoo animal. Like, like I need to take a photo of this guy. And it was kind of, it was pretty surreal to see, because, you know, Howard Stern is a total legend. But to see him treated that way, I kind of felt bad for him. It was just like, oh, this guy can't even go out in public without being harassed. He can't have, like, a normal life. I guess that's the trade-off. Wow. Man, did he completely leave the venue, or did he find a spot? No, I don't think he, he just went to, like, the backstage Rumor. I mean, I'm not exactly sure where he went. And how was the set list? Was it like a lot of older stuff? Uh, it was a good. It was a good mix. I, there were definitely a few more radio-friendly songs. Obviously, like, like nothing else matters, and uh, the memory remains. Uh, but they also played a, a bunch of great old songs, stuff that they would always play, like One and Right Creeping Death, and then they also threw in Ride the Lightning, uh, Harvester of Sorrow, which was pretty good. And honestly, like they they had this one part where it was a few of the newer songs, yeah. like off uh, Death Magnetic, which not a bad album, but that was the point in the show where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get a beer or something. Nothing off of Lulu? Uh, nothing off of Lulu, <laughs> nothing off St. Anger. Right. Uh, but then after like after like an interlude of, of like three or four newer and then mellower songs, they kicked into Sad But True. And just because there were so many like three softer Metallica songs in a row, one sad but true kick, and you really realize like how heavy that riff is. It's right. such, such cool. a powerful riff. But yeah, it was a great, it was a great experience. Way better than I thought it would be. I thought I was like going into like, oh, it'll be fun, but I was amped Very when cool. it was over. Rob, going back to the the early days of Metal Injection. Now you guys started in 2004, but you launched the podcast. The same year we did, I believe, 2005. Yeah. Well, we right? launched like a network, like Metal Injection Radio was the idea to do like podcast a day kind of thing. Right. We would have five different podcasts and different hosts. Uh, but yeah, it kind of, uh, like the whole site was just like an evolution because initially we started, uh, the, the idea of it was just to do a local uh, public access show in Brooklyn. The way the site was born is just my friends and I were watching uh, late night public access and there was this uh, metal show this local metal show that was just awful <laughs> and we would watch it like for a few weeks it wasn't it wasn't talking metal on fuse was it? no 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 <laughs> no no this was this was on public access so uh, right, right 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 okay. which I guess fuse could be uh, yeah. confused for but uh, uh, no so it was just, and then we were like sitting there and I was just like oh this is so bad we could do it so much better and then it was like oh why don't we why don't we try this out? And the initial right. idea, like I went to school for broadcasting. Uh, uh, te- television radio was my major in Brooklyn College. And the idea was to do like a whole multimedia thing where we had a, 
like a video show on the public access channel. We had a website that would supplement the video show and promote it every week. And then we would also have a radio show uh, on the college radio station that was on at the time. And that eventually, like after doing the public access show for a few weeks, we realized that our audience was much bigger online than with our local Brooklyn public access right. stream. So we kind of were like, oh, why, why are we even doing the public? Like we could still submit tapes to them, but let's focus on putting it online. And then like we put it on, this was in 2004. This was before YouTube. So yeah. we were putting up real media files, which I, I don't know, like that, uh, the worst format. Basically, yeah. You had to download the program. Like it was so inaccessible. Uh, and eventually we moved to like Windows media format and then flash video. And so, uh, yeah, so that was like 2004. So that we focused more on the online stuff than, uh, than podcasting happened in 2005. And the way yeah. I learned about it, uh, was uh, Jim Sheldon, who I think you had like a really long time ago on your show on Talking Metal. Jim. Uh, who, with the Entropy League. Yes, it's very possible. I mean, we've yeah. done like, you know, 434 right, right. episodes at this point that I've, I've honestly lost track. I know Jim, and I believe it was Jim and myself and one of those MSR cast guys, Casey, is that what? Carrie. Carrie, yeah, yeah, did did something together like did an episode it might have might have been an msr cast episode i'm not oh, sure okay. what it was but yeah i i believe jim may have been I on think the he show was on talking was he that. okay yeah. okay uh and so uh when i found out about podcasting i was like oh well this is kind of basically what we wanted to do with the radio show but the same idea is like the radio show was like the audio version of public access like why don't we just do something on the website where our audience is, is gathering every day and whatever. Yeah. And so I, I, I hooked up with Jim, and Jim uh, was way ahead of the curve in terms of podcasting. He already yeah. had a podcast going. This was, like, right when blogging was starting, too, with, like, WordPress and uh, just being able to install, like, a, a content management system out of the box right there on your site. So Jim really helped me out a lot in terms of uh, modernizing Metal right. injection because sure. we were using like a really outdated content management thing with like CGI and just a bunch of dumb nerdy stuff. And so uh, he helped us set it up. And the idea was to get a, f a network of podcasts just because uh, me and my friends, we all had uh, varying tastes in metal and we all always listened to like a lot of music. So it was like, oh, why don't each of us do like an hour show a week? And we had like a power metal show, like an underground death metal show. Mine was like the more mainstream heavy metal type stuff. And then uh, Jim's show as well. I forget. Oh, and, and the MSR cast. Those were like the original five. And then that kind of uh, like Jim and, and the MSR cast, like they kept doing their shows. Uh, but then we kind of stopped doing our, our music shows. And we used to do a talk like a, a freeform talk show on my college radio station. So the idea was to like, oh, why don't we just resurrect that format? Right. And <clears> that's like, what live cast is now. That's what right? the, yeah. And then eventually that became the mental injection live cast, which we've been doing. Uh, I think we started that a little later on, like 2008. And who, can you talk about your, your co-hosts and the people who do live cast with you, who they are? Sure. Yeah. Uh, they're just friends of mine. The, the same people that I was doing, our college radio show with the college oh, radio the, show. Really, the same people you did the college radio. Yeah, show. yeah, because uh, we just had so much fun doing that show uh, with our college radio station. Uh, it was like um, the like the 
the broadcast wavelength of it was barely like on the campus itself. You know, I got to I got to chime in because I uh, was part of a college radio station. It wasn't my college, but uh, some friends of mine uh, did a show at the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown, which is like Pitt, but removed from Pittsburgh and in a small town. And literally the only place that the show, the broadcast, uh, like went to the, their cafeteria and yeah. it, no one else was listening. So we, 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 you know, put everything into it like it was a real big radio show but like it only played in like the room down the hall like that's basically the same exact i think that's probably just all most college radio <laughs> except for like seton hall but uh the other the funny thing is though that there was like a again going back to public access which had a huge role in metal injection it seems uh the the local colleges because uh, it, it was uh like a city college booking college uh so the local colleges four of them had radio stations and they all worked out a deal with the public access channel on their community calendar page where there's just like announcements and stuff that four hour blocks would be dedicated to four different radio stations. So uh, our, our slot at the beginning was like from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., something like that. And uh, nobody wanted the Friday night slot because at our college, like there weren't really any classes on Friday, so no one was around. And really early on, uh, the slot was open. They were like, Rob, do you want it? So my friends and I, we would just get together Friday nights. This would be like the thing that we just hung out and did. Sure. And it was just so fun that eventually we were like, when, when we got out of college, we stopped doing it. But we were like, why don't we just do this again? And you brought it back. Yep. And that's how we did the live cast. Cool. Now, I'm, I'm actually, uh, my current job that I've had, I work in the TV business, uh, is ending on uh, this week, actually, on Friday. So, And I have no further work lined up after that. And there's part of me that just, like what you did, I admire what you did, and you had the guts to do it. It's just like, I want to try to make this fly, you know? And we're, we're and there's so many other podcasters. Like, I, I, you know, I feel like there's all these other podcasters out there that I am Especially know. nowadays, like anybody, everybody has a podcast. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, so how, how did... Is it is it the serious income? And this is personal, so if you don't want to answer it, you know that's fine. But is it the serious income balanced with the metal injection income that allows you to keep keep yourself afloat financially? Because the there's so many dreamers out there, including yeah. myself, that want to you know. And we did the fuse thing, and we got paid for that, and we did some headbangers balls and stuff. And there's little things here and there, but we've never found the success or the, the, the formula to make this work for a full-time income? And is it just like, do you need to just dive in? That's, and, you, you really do. Because uh, I heard Mark Marin, You know Mark Marin. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he said, you know, the only reason his podcast started succeeding was because he got fired from his job, and, you know, it, it, was, it was sink or swim. Is yeah. that how you feel? I mean, that's you, definitely is how... Is that like, what happened to you? Yeah, like four years ago uh, when we quit our, our day jobs, it was definitely that. It was like, well, we have to make this work because otherwise, what are we going to do? And um, just it ha like we just basically set goals for ourselves, set like short term goals, long term goals. And just by like keeping at it slowly but surely, everything that we like set to achieve happened. It wasn't like an overnight thing. There's no formula to it. You know, there, it's just like, OK. We have this website. We have these websites. How do we make money? How, okay, we have to sell these ads. How? Who are we going to sell these ads to? Who would want to advertise on our website? And then, you know, we build up our contacts with that and with like labels. And then eventually, we realize that 
with labels, it's like, oh, there's only so much they're going to be willing to do. Where else can we get ads? And so that's kind of been the struggle for us is to grow beyond labels. And we've found a few ways, but it's, it's just, it's pretty good now, but it could all end tomorrow. You right. know, like there, there's no stability in it. Uh, we have to get our own health insurance. So it's like a very risky thing. And I don't think it's really, I'm honestly surprised I'm still doing it. And the serious thing came like much late, like it only came two years ago. So right. And I remember I was, is like, I remember like four years ago listening to your show and hearing Jose come on your show and stuff. So you obviously yeah. were friendly with him yeah, and, and you I've had a connection him, yeah. with him. Yeah, I've known him for a really long time. We met about uh, like eight years ago or something like that, just through mutual friends. And we always had a mutual respect for one another. I have a huge respect for Jose. He's done so much. And, and I, I, in many ways, I look up to him and like what he's achieved in the music business. And basically, uh, a spot opened up at the station, which never happens. And they just needed a DJ. And he, I was, I guess, the first person he thought of. And I was completely floored when he called me because it was, it was definitely a dream of mine to, it, it felt like it was like validation. Like, oh, wow, here, like I totally got a, a, a gig at this nationally broadcast right. radio station just from ha starting a blog and like getting together with my friends once a week and shooting the shit. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, Jose followed Metal Injection. He was a fan of ours. He listened to our podcast. He loved it. And uh, then like that basically uh, blossomed into my serious gig, which definitely helps pay the bills. It was, it was a huge breather. Cool. And you do six hours every day. Now, Eddie Trunk, for example, I listened to him on uh, the Hair Nation on Monday nights, and he, he complains a lot about the fact that Sirius doesn't pay him. And is 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 that they pay him, they pay him but, but not maybe enough, not, not as much, not as he much. Wants. and he, he thinks that he says that people think he's like rich like they hear howard stern 500 million dollars right i think everybody on sirius is like that. oh no and, yeah. and, and 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 the serious thing again is it, it's 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 income for you but it's metal injection is also a profitable yeah thing. I, yeah. Feel, I don't think i would be if i just had the serious gig is a part-time gig so it's not like right. i'm on salary i have like it's just you know i get paid per shift Right. Uh, so it's, it's good money. I'm not complaining at all about it, but it's right. not like if I were to just live off of that, I would have to find a few other gigs on the side just to be able to live comfortably. So it's right. not. And all I'm trying to do on. with asking you these questions is we have so many other podcasters who listen to this and they all think that, well, if my podcast gets popular enough, I'll get, you know, serious will come to me and they'll offer me a show and I'll be a millionaire you know and yeah. it, that's just simply it's not, not the is, case no. yeah and, and another thing that i want to mention is that uh, you know so that we can help any you know uh, of our listeners who are interested in doing this is that it helps to do what you did rob you you're not just you know there's a lot of metal fans who think it would be cool to do a podcast but you actually have a, a degree in broadcasting and and so you that's not quite accurate well, 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 you well, you went to college for broadcasting, though, right? And I mean, you studied this, and I can tell you know what you're doing. I mean, you you mentioned stuff like content management system, and uh, I mean, these are things that I do, uh, you know, with with my full time position. And um, uh, you really know your stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something I, I've always had a huge interest in personally, and uh, yeah, like I'm totally self taught with web development and design and stuff. It's just something 
when I was like 15 years old and, and got a computer, I was just always interested in the internet and I wanted to build my own website and it basically just started with like, you know, having an AOL homepage back when AOL existed and then slowly but surely getting more experience with it. Is, is, is part of it with po succeeding in podcasting, you know, to just stay the course, you know, and, and focus yeah, on what you believe. Yeah, for yourself. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I mean. Because I feel like Talking Metal, you know, lost. Uh, we, we, we were really 2005 to 2007. We did great. We got the Fuse show and then that went away. You know, I had a couple kids and John wrote a book and did a bunch of stuff and we kind of lost focus. And I feel like now we're kind of focused again. And and I'm hoping that we can just uh, keep the momentum going. And, uh, you know, we look to guys like you because I really admire what you've done well, and think you've yeah. done a great job. I mean, you know what I don't you know, I'm off on a couple different tangents here, but, you know, I downloaded your app and I've been downloading all these different podcast apps and most of them are quite poor, actually. And I thought yours was actually really good, you know, and it's it's just I think you're a good example of someone who who does something and you do the best at it that you possibly can, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, no, I know. I think and I think that's a big part of it. And even even the live show, it sounds like you guys use good mics. And, and how, how is that actually done, the live show? Yeah, you, yeah, we have like a... Are you all in the same room together? Yeah, we're all in the same room. We have a, a mixing board, like a Mackie Pro FX12, I think it is. Right. It is. And we have a, a bunch... Where do you do this, Brooklyn? Yeah, we yeah. just do it at, at my friend Noah's house. She's the producer right, of the yes. show. Right, yes. And she's on air with you guys. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we just have a few mics that we all bought and, and that's kind of what we, we always try to, uh, come off as professional uh, as possible. Like fake it till you make it. That's right. That's definitely been a motto of ours. Uh, I remember when we first started, we were like really promoting hard on message boards and stuff for the main metal injection website. And then when the show premiered, uh, like the, the criticism of it was like, Oh, this isn't a real. This is just a few people with like a few kids with, with like handy cams. It's not a real show, right. uh, implying that they expected like a very polished product. Meanwhile, we're just like at the time a bunch of eighteen to twenty year olds with like no experience. So the fact that we tricked them into thinking this was going to be like a big polished thing was a huge compliment to me. Yeah. In terms of like, oh, they believed the bullshit that. You know, right, 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 right. You know, so, uh, but going back to like monetizing a podcast is very difficult because it's, yeah. you can only really do uh, live reads, which is just like a, a talking ad at the beginning of the thing. And uh, for us, it's been, it's also been a struggle to monetize the podcast in general. We make, uh, myself and Frank are the only people uh, that live off of metal injection. Like all of my podcast hosts, co hosts, they all have daytime jobs. Right. Like, they don't right. do metal injection full time. Gotcha. Um, and it's just been a combination of everything. Just like the more, uh, the more content you put forth, the longer you're around, the more legitimate people see you as, and like you know, you build contacts with record labels, and then they see you as legitimate. And eventually, it builds, and you get such a name that people want to work with you. People want to take out advertisement with your site, and uh, it's it's definitely not an overnight thing, I would say. And it definitely helps to be well-rounded, like uh, just to be to have a podcast to be able to update a website because i feel like now with the music industry whatever jobs there are it's no longer like a, a, a unitask job you have to do like five different things like when i worked at a record label which was 
so long ago at this point, like six or seven years ago. Uh, I was their uh, web marketing guy. I was their like digital distribution guy. Like I had like five different hats that I was wearing. So mm -hmm. you can't just rest on like one thing. You have to be able to be well-rounded. And, and I think too, one thing you guys do, which some podcasts have a problem with, and some people may, may even say we've had occasional problems with that. This is, is you let your true personality shine through on the, on the podcast, I mean, you'll start out talking about Bruce Dickinson, but it ends up a, a conversation about, you know, M. Night Shyamalan movies or something, you know? And, yeah, and we really and don't talk think, about metal that much on yeah. our podcast, actually. Uh, I think the way we, we, we sell the show is that it's, it's not necessarily a podcast about metal. It's not a podcast about metal. It's a podcast about, like, life from a metalhead's perspective. That, that's kind of what we're doing just because I feel like that kind of differentiates us and it kind of gives us gives my DS. Uh, it just differentiates us from other podcasts and it just gives us content to talk about and I feel it, it's more entertaining that way. We have like a much more dedicated fan base now. Right. And yeah, like it's just more fun that way for us. Cool. Cool. Let's talk about metal and music. I know you're going to see Carcass tomorrow night, is it? I'm going, yeah, Thursday night. Actually. Thursday night, yeah, Thursday yeah, night. Yeah, Thursday and night. I thought it was tomorrow. But. Is that one of your, your favorite albums of the year? Uh, it's definitely up there. Uh, it's hard to decide. Like, I don't even think about my favorites of the year until, like, November. Uh, and I always hate, I just hate doing that. I hate narrowing it down. And reviews in general is something I just don't like doing because I, I, I feel it's very hard to properly express why I, I <laughs> appreciate yeah. a certain record. Uh, but that's definitely up there. I really like the new Ghost record. Yeah, I, I, I think it's amazing. Yeah. It's, amazing. it's it's interesting, like, how much of a backlash the band is getting now that they're getting more popular. They obviously have, like, their management is the same management as Slayer, so they're getting a much bigger push, and it's leading to this whole backlash. And I don't know. I, I, I still dig it. I'm all about the gimmick. I, lo I love the personas i love the performance and the music itself i think is so great and it's so different than what anybody is really doing nowadays who cares if it sounds like merciful fate that's a compliment you know like, yeah and you know it sounds like merciful fate but there's also like this like strange like anton levey 1960s infusion there's like bands like there was like a band called coven which was this satanic like almost pop band from the 1960s i hear i hear that and then i hear like a stoner rock yeah yeah infusion in there too and, I feel like and they have like a little dance vibe there too yeah like seeing their shows live you really hear that drum beat and how much of like a like an upbeat drum beat they have going on yeah amazing record i mean definitely you know i have trouble keeping up with with just all the releases but that's i i think so far probably my my uh favorite record of of the year and you had an interesting, uh, I think it was on your site, you had an interesting article about how to pronounce the name of the record uh, and that it's a tough one to pronounce. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Infestasimum. I think I might have Infestasimum. Watched, yeah. watched an interview with them where it, they pronounced it. But yeah, oh, okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I assume that's what it is. I might have been saying it wrong this whole time. Right. Uh, yeah. Also, I really like the Gorguts record. They're like a technical death metal band that's been resurrected. And, and you had the, the guy from Gorguts on a recent show. Yeah, right? Luke yeah. LeMay. He was on yeah. our show last week. I think. And what is his history before Gorguts? What, was he? I think it was just Gorguts. Gor just it Gorguts. It was just like, okay. it, that was his band. And then. Because they've been around. Yeah, they kind of went away while, in right? 2002. 
And then he reformed it with like all these new members from bands here in New York, a bunch of great guys. And the record itself, it's so varied because they're a technical death metal band, but then there's parts where it's like a prog record and it's so mellow and not technical death metal that yeah. it like, I was like, wow, there's so many dynamics here. And, and it was, it was, it's a great record. That, cool. That I need to check that out a little. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I mean, I've heard bits and pieces on your show and a couple other shows, but yeah, I need to check that yeah, out. It's more. a great record from beginning to end. And when it comes to more of the classic metal, what are some of your favorite bands? Like classic metal, like eighties like era heavy metal. Um, well, I love I loved Megadeth. Now it's very hard, yeah, <laughs> to listen to it. Yeah, uh, which we should talk about that because you had an interesting article on your site about Megadeth too a while back. And, and do you do you feel that? I mean, the guy seems insane to me. I mean, he seems like 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 uh, with Dave Mustaine for me. He he, I was I you know I was a big Megadeth fan right literally from the get go you know I mean I'm I'm a little older than you and I was like you know 13, 14 years old when Killing Is My Business came out uh, and we were immediately on it you know I remember seeing him in concert I've I, I've seen him probably dozens of times in concert and you know even when he was on MTV News you know doing the choose or lose political stuff he seemed smart to me yeah and he seemed intelligent and he even had the glasses on and you know and he 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 was at the conventions and he seemed smart and it's like lately though he seems to say some really wacky stuff and i'm not just talking about the political stuff i mean he's like talking about that about ouija boards and about you know uh being being dangerous tools and about satan and and monsters and stuff. And he yeah. almost seems like he's not, he seems brain damaged or something. <laughs> I don't know if it's brain damaged, but like it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. Cause a lot of times he'll even contradict himself. Like I've been writing a- about all the crazy things he's been saying, just cause it's really easy hits to write. Like, Oh, right. Dave Mustaine thinks uh, African women should put a plug in their vaginas. Like, what <laughs> right why would you even say that and, and it, it just seems like no, people around him like his handlers or whoever should just be like maybe you should stop doing interviews or something like that because it's de- i feel it's definitely affected the brand of megadeth uh just all the crazy things he's been saying not just not just the fact that he's uh become more conservative and right-wing in his politics but yeah. just- it's because it's like Ted Nugent doesn't bother me with the things he says for whatever reason. I I I, I kind of like Ted Nugent is Ted Nugent. You know, I I, I I I kind of in a weird way get it. But when Mustaine talks about like you know believing in monsters and Satan and and all this you know the the Ouija board and he won't play certain songs because it brings the evil back yeah. into his soul and stuff. That that to me it just it crosses the line for me. It's weird. Uh, and, you know, I know people that know him and say he's a great guy in person. Uh, but, like, the persona that he puts forward seems so standoffish and just confrontational. And it's like, why even say certain, like, things that he says? It's like, why are you, like, he was bad mouthing his old record label uh, before this new record came out. It's like, why is that even necessary? Just be a professional. Talk about your new record. Don't, you don't need to do that. And just, a lot of the things he says, it's just like, wow, I dislike you as a person now. So, and I think, you know, 
those early Megadeth records are untouchable in terms of great thrash, great metal records. But it's it's so difficult now to even take it seriously just knowing the person who does it. I feel like Danzig is sort of a similar thing, although I still love Danzig. Yeah, and you mentioned, you say, I mean, you said the early Megadeth albums being untouchable, um, which I, I agree with you 100% on that. However, I, I feel that he went back and, you know, touched them and did all this remixing and re-recording to them. And I, I really, I personally feel the, the albums lost some of their heaviness after his, his, yeah. And it wasn't only remastering, there was re-recording, which I believe he admitted to. And Google me and prove me wrong, guys. Maybe I'm, I'm off base here, but, but I believe there was re-recording done to some of those uh, records. I am totally against that. Like the yeah. remastering, I understand, uh, just because technology is different now. You know, you gotta pump up the the, the acoustics or whatever. But yeah, I, I'm I was never for it. Like Ozzy did that stuff where he took out like. The and Ozzy knew it was wrong and said in his book, you know, yeah. I shouldn't have done it. And then, hence, two years later, he, you know, of course, reissued them with the original yeah. parts and you know, the deluxe bonus. Uh, I, I, I think like all of those things are like the delu- reissues. It's just like, why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't, but I, I, I did. Uh, the one plus side though is seeing, uh, I watched uh, Megadeth do rust in peace from beginning to end. And that's my favorite record. Right. From, from Megadeth. So that was really cool. Although I kind of felt like vocally Mustaine couldn't really, couldn't really handle it anymore. But, yeah. Musically, I think like as a as a guitar player, he still nails it. Yeah. But. And Dave Ellison has a, a new book coming out. I don't know if uh, his autobiography, which was pointed out to me, it was released. I, I don't know what book company it's on, but um, it was released on the Christian imprint of the. Of oh the yeah, book he's company. also very uh, religious. Yeah, too. yeah. So so it's interesting how this band has literally become so christian oriented well i think that's kind of how he got back in the band is because both of them have i kind of assumed that was what happened yeah yeah Yeah. but i I don't know yeah (laughs) good for them whatever works for that i guess that's the point right whatever works for them the guy the guy is off drugs and you know hopefully he's uh happier in his his life and uh they just announced today they are going to do a headlining tour. So uh, I saw they're touring relentlessly lately. Yeah. They just did that Gigantor thing. Did some dates with Maiden, I believe. Yeah. And, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah they just in the wrapped Southwest. Up. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So it it should it should be uh, interesting to see where Megadeth goes in the in the future with their with their sound. And I do believe what you're saying is that he needs somebody to kind of help him out with. Uh, what his yeah, statements are i feel like he he's he doesn't care like he, he's yeah. like i'm being honest you know but right it's really effect like their new record didn't sell as well as the last record they put out it was like a few like a significant different i don't remember the numbers but so i, I definitely think that they lost a good portion of their fan base just by the loony things that he's been saying right you know yeah i mean a gigantor wasn't all that well attended from i didn't go but from what i understand i don't think many people went. <laughs> yeah 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 so interesting cool and so megadeth one of your favorite classic bands what other bands carnivore definitely i feel they're very underrated like obviously peter Steele gets all the credit for typo which is a great band but carnivore were like wow i wish 
if I if I could just have a time machine to go back to like one show, I would love to see Carnivore and like 1984 in Lemoore, mm-hmm. like at, at their peak, because that that record is so heavy and, and thrashy and and like v- very profane. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of racist stuff, a lot of right. homophobic stuff, but I'm fine with it. Normally, yeah. I I consider myself a pretty liberal guy. Yeah, but in that context, I think it, it's acceptable. Right, because maybe I want to. I want to hope that it was tongue in cheek. <laughs> That's how I interpret it. Like, oh, he doesn't really mean it. He's just this is a character, the character Peter Steele in this incredibly masculine band, Carnivore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people have thought that he was tongue in cheek. I've heard other people say that he he was not. You know, in in Storm, you know, Stormtroopers of Death was definitely yeah, a, a tongue in cheek thing. But um, you know, I, I so who who knows uh, about Carnivore? I would guess it's probably tongue in cheek. Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so Carnivore, Megadeth, give me a few more. S.O.D. I loved, uh, I mean, I don't Metallica, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to a lot of Danzig this year. Just, yeah. It's like good music, just when I don't want to, like, it's like, I don't want to say mindless, because that's kind of taking something away from it, but it's mm-hmm. it's more simplistic than some of the stuff I listen to, and I like just having that on, and like, that riff and twist of Kane is just, sure. it's, yeah. oh, yeah. Awesome. So rich and thick. Uh, so I dig that. Uh, let's see what else. Carcass, definitely like older carcass, uh, but that's like more 90s stuff, I guess. Right. And so now Michael, the carcass is, is back with this new album, which I know a lot of people are, are with Surgical Steel. Is that Surgical that? Steel, yeah. yeah. A lot of people are um, loving the record. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to listen to it more. I've listened to it once and I, I thought it was really good. Um, but Michael Ahmet not involved in the reunion. How do you feel about that? Well, uh, at first I was like, well, what, you know, maybe the, I think his presence is definitely missed on the record. Uh, now he wasn't on the very first carcass record, right? He joined on like the second record. Was it? Uh, I'm honestly not yeah. quite sure on his history with the band. I don't want to say something. And totally embarrassed. Yeah, I think he it. may have joined on the second record, okay. but yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but I actually interviewed him, uh, like before, after the initial reunion, which he was they, involved, with. yeah, when yeah. he did the shows with them, and before they announced that they were uh, going to be doing the reunion without him, and we were doing this special on like the the uh, best reunions of the last decade, and Carcass was obviously on the list, and we interviewed him about it, and he off camera he told me he was like, oh, you know, Jeff has suggested to me that he would want to try to write some new music and i honestly don't know how to write a carcass riff anymore like all the right. riffs that i write are for Arch, Arch Enemy, yeah. so I'd, i wouldn't know how to write a carcass song so like he really he never had any interest in in doing anything beyond that tour and i respect mm. that you know like he, his band is arch enemy this is like what he's been doing the last 10 years and they're super successful in their own right so it's fine i, I like the i like the new carcass record i'm looking forward to seeing them live right on thursday seeing I want to hear the new music live. I want to see how it compares to all the hits, you know, all the classic stuff. Right. Cool. Cool. And are, are Michael, is Michael Ahmet married to Angela from Arch Enemy? I think, I, I don't know if they're like officially married, but right. they're definitely they're a couple, right? Yeah, yeah. They're definitely together. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, we encourage all the talking metal listeners to check out your site, metalinjection.net. Yeah. And also check you out on serious liquid metal weeknights. 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. 
And uh, yeah, thanks so much for stopping by. Let's do it again sometime real soon. We got another guest coming up. So uh, sure, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome to hang out too if you want to hang out. Sure, yeah. Rob, I just wanted to thank you again for uh, taking the time out to come and hang out with us and talking metal. And uh, I definitely uh, hope we can hang at some shows in the future. And what do you want to take us out with musically? Let's play some new carcass. How about the Master Butcher's Apron? Cool, you got it. Thanks again, Rob. Who said in the West Africa squadron? Who's